Welcome to Rebecca Sounds Reveille. What a show I have for you today because, as you know, I embrace helping other people. And more importantly, I really embrace those who come from a place where they have been on the side where they've had a situation happen to them, and that has caused them to invoke change. I have been one of them, and maybe you have too. But some of us voice it a little bit stronger than others. Today with me, I have someone who has had a situation that started back from way back when, but more recently from a car accident. And he really overcame something when the doctors told him, hey, uh, you're not going to be able to do anything for about 18 months. And he said, oh no, that is not going to happen to me. I'm going to get and prove, get up and prove you wrong. And that is something that he did. At the time, they also told him, um, you're not gonna be able to speak. And he said, oh no, this is not gonna be what you're telling me gonna do, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna tell you that I am gonna do this. And he did, he started speaking again. But going back earlier in life, back when we were not in a position where we were really careful with words, he was labeled where he might be what they considered as retarded. And I've gotta tell you, this man has such an incredible story. The journey that took him to where he is is going to not only inspire you, but help move you to make changes and show you that there are no limitations on what you can do if you just put your mind to making changes. His story goes from where he becomes a survivor of child abuse and neglect to having his grandparents become his role models when they raised him. Not only that, he's got his wife, Laura, now. He's got his friends uh, that are just incredible influence influences in his life. He has taken all of these things, his role models, the things that we look as setbacks in life, and he's made them to become things that are fostering change. He is driven now to focus this on making a change in those situations where he can help veterans and homelessness. He wants to overcome this challenge. And with me today, without any further ado, is Lawrence Perlmutter. Welcome to the show, Lawrence. Thank you uh, for the opportunity, Rebecca. I am so delighted because you are an inspiration to so many people with your background, with people who have set these boundaries on you. And you said, I'm not having people place boundaries on me. I'm going to show you what I can do. And not only that, you have a support system in places where maybe some people didn't even think that you should have a support system. Support systems come whenever you're not uh, looking for them. They could come by accident. They could come by just the casual uh, person you meet on the street. And that could change your life. This is so true. And this is what you are doing for other people. You are being a support system. But let's first start. Let's, let's move forward or from 
not the car accident, but let's start with your journey as a child because many people come from an abusive childhood or a neglectful childhood. And a lot of them feel like they can't move past those things and they spend their teenage years and their adult life not being able to be as successful as they could be. Okay. Uh, well, Basin, uh, uh, Midlife, how's that? Sure, sure, sure. Uh, midlife, everybody thought I was going to be held behind. Nobody wanted to give me the opportunity. Uh, so many people said, you've been through this, you're going to be uh, placed into a home where someone's going to, have to take care of you. When we placed in other surroundings that you weren't going to be able to uh, make a difference. But I approve people wrong. The more people put the pressure on me, I feel it just rolls off my back. When you say I can't do something, you're going to prove you completely wrong. When did you start noticing that you were going to just really change these limitations, these boundaries, I'm going to, I'm going to prove you wrong. Was it in childhood or do you think it was in your teenage years when, when children are become rebellious or? What's at that? age three, uh, I would say at age three. Okay. My uncle, who's a PhD, uh, he said to my grandparents, I was going to end up in a home where people would have to take care of me. I didn't crawl. I didn't walk. I didn't speak until age five. So he tried to say to people, that's where I was going to end up. Uh -huh. But I, on the inside of me, with my grandparents' help, I was going to be able to achieve all my goals, all my success. But I've been doing it one step at a time. Uh -huh. And this is really a key thing to share with the audience, Lawrence, is that success and moving forward and proving people wrong and continuing on really doesn't happen overnight. It's one step at a time, but having the fortitude internally to say that I'm going to move forward and just taking one step at a time. Yeah, sometimes you have to, uh, you might fall, but it all depends how you get back up. No one meets you halfway. Uh -huh. You have to make your own steps. You have to make your own success. But the best success is being able to uh, see the rewards after it. That is so true. That is so true. Looking at the rewards and being able to see the journey along the way. And with that reward is really so... I don't even know what the word is. It is just the most amazing feeling when you have achieved something with all of the hard work that comes with it. And you have really, really gone along in such a, a hard way, a hard struggle, because you didn't have your parents there. You lived with your grandparents. And um, while they were an inspiration, that had to have been a challenge as well. A lot of people who came into my life, they said, who are, who are these people? Uh, they shouldn't be in your, your life yet. You're, you're still a child of uh, your surroundings. But the best way uh, I could look at it, I'm uh, honoring them with everything that I do. Oh, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. So as you continued on, 
you ended up graduating high school as valedictorian. And everybody said that I wouldn't do it. I shocked people and how well I did. Mm-hmm. But I enjoyed school. I enjoyed uh, uh, part of the challenge that I had in school. I was actually doing quad enrollment, doing uh, high school. I did JC. I did an occupational center. And I also was doing a college at, at the same time. So, okay, so let me ask you, how did you juggle all this? I just enjoyed it. Uh-huh. And I was also uh, a golfer and a tennis player. Okay, so do you think sports affected your ability to learn and acquire all the knowledge that you did? I believe it uh, had a big majority of the help. Uh-huh. But I think the biggest piece that I had was, was to support my grandparents and the older generations. Oh, that's a good point because oftentimes we feel like the older generations do not understand where we're coming from or that they can't relate to us. And yet you're... My upbringing, they, they were the biggest influence. They were, they were the people in front of me. Like I was one step, even going back a little earlier in my life at age two, when the court, it was 45 years ago today that the courts had said to my grand, had said to the, my grandparents and to everyone else, we're about to put them into foster care. My grandparents took the chance to have me uh, in their home. I, See, could, I was told of this one phone call, which might shock you. Uh, one of my mom's best friends called my grandparents looking where I was. And the situation that came into play with this, uh, my grandparents said, oh, we didn't know where he was. Uh, they called the police station and they said, we have your daughter and your son-in-law uh, in custody. Your grandson's being checked out by a doctor. Oh, no. And th that's how I was originally taken from my parents. Now, and did you... Did you end up having a relationship with them after that? Uh, they blamed me for what happened. Okay. So I, I had a small relationship with them, but I, I couldn't trust them. See, and, and that's, that's a hard thing when you're a child to not be able, and growing up, not being able to have the trust there because that is the most important thing a child has from early on with a parent, but you were able to obtain that with your grandparents and become very, very successful in so many things, Lawrence. I might have had the success of everything in the world, but I owe it all to the people in front of me. Everyone uh, were behind me. I've had new friends who've uh, come into my life who are great friends also. Mm -hmm. Like a friend that you and I have in common. Yes. Ron Benowitz. Yes. One of the strongest persons that I know. Ron is incredible. He's an incredible man. And he is so, so amazing that, um, I mean, and his, uh, I mean, the array of knowledge that he has is unbelievable. His love for sports, and I bet the two of you have that in common as well. We have these discussions uh, every night. We start uh, conversations 
say at seven o'clock Pacific time, uh -huh. we get done about nine o'clock uh, in the evening and we're talking sports. We're talking about his history that he's been through uh, personally. And there's so many uh, pieces of my life, you could say in a way are intertwined. All because of so many of the events he's been through. Uh-huh. He's quite an inspiration. I mean, he's very uh, knowledgeable, but he's also got an outlook on life that often you don't find with with a lot of people. Um, just on the I'm just like on a general level, he's just very uplifting all the time and very positive. And I think that it with you having that too, that support system. That and I know you. You have that. You're just a very outgoing and uplifting, positive person. So I can see that how the two of you can interconnect that way. And you, I mean, you just you have a lot of um, that spunk that is needed, that drive that is needed. But let's go to also. Lawrence, talking about your car accident in 2017, because you had a little bit of a challenge there and people telling you again, hey, you're not going to be able to do this, just like way back when. It, it, it felt like that, uh, the day had uh, repeated itself. Yes. When someone says I couldn't do something, I knew I could do it. Uh -huh. But then I of getting the surgery done. And I had the surgery done six months ago. Oh, you did. I didn't realize that's how long it had been, or I mean, short of time period it has been since then. Okay. But with the accident and stuff, it, it cost me a lot. A lot of uh, employment opportunities and different opportunities. Mm -hmm. And the best uh, medicine was having my wife, Laura, having a uh, Ron on my side uh, with yes. the whole process. And even though I've known Ronnie, it feels like I've known Ronnie for 20 years. It's only been five months. He's incredible. He is incredible, man. Um, but and, and lots of support too. Um, with your accident, are you at liberty to share a little bit with the yes, audience about it? Yeah. Yes. I was actually T-boned. Uh, someone went right through a stop sign. They weren't paying attention. Uh, they thought they had the right of way. And a few minutes after that, hit me. Luckily, I was able to step on the brake. I didn't hit uh, a post in front of me. There was a light post that I could have hit. Mm -hmm. And I wound up uh, having uh, a separated shoulder, a compressed disc in my neck, which they put titanium implants into the neck. Oh my gosh. So I still have uh, like the scars to them uh, to this day. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, that didn't paralyze you though. No, luckily. Mm -hmm. But I was having problems walking a little bit. Okay. But the doctor, the doctor had said to me, you're not going to be able to do anything for 18, 24 months. But I knew I had to keep moving. And the very, the first day after surgery, uh, my wife could contest to this. Uh, just after having physical therapy, I said, I want to speak. 
Uh-huh. And everyone says, what's he speaking for? He shouldn't be speaking yet. Of course. I make phone calls to, I made a phone call to my mother-in-law. I made a phone call to my wife's ex-husband. I made a phone call to my grandmother. And they were saying, uh, why are you speaking? But I knew what I wanted to do. I did not want to stop uh, the process. I need to stop the process of feeling. Okay, so let me ask you a question. How hard is it when something is stopping you from being able to speak to start speaking again? Or was it something, I mean, how does that work? It was through the microprocesses of the uh, neck that it was compressed. They just uh, were compressing, uh, and also they found several bone spurs that that they they had to shave. So it was pressing on the vocal cords and stuff. So it was a real struggle then, but you were determined despite that. And let me ask you, was it painful to talk then? It was painful speaking, and I was coughing like crazy. I was uh, coughing so much phlegm. Okay. I knew I had to speak. Okay, nothing's uh, stopping you. Nope. And that first week, uh, I was in the I was in the hospital for a week. And Friday night they transported me to uh, a different unit, and I did physical therapy great, and I wanted to get out of there. Uh huh. The doctor said to me, "You're still not going to be get out for a while." I said. I'm going, I want to walk. So uh, the day uh, that they were having their meetings, I walked a mile and a half that day in the hospital. I was walking before that without a walker. I was walking without the assistance. They didn't need to have the alarm on the bed. I could get in and out of bed without any problems. So let me let me stop you right there because I really want to make and drive home some points here, no pun intended, but pun intended, because there, being a retired police officer, there's some things that I want to say about your situation and what I want to convey, because your situation is not unique as far as accidents are concerned. And your situation is unique with the results in overcoming the trauma that you did receive simply because you decided that you were going to persevere through the situation and not let anybody um, tell you that you were going to be stuck in a situation that you didn't want to be in as far as walking and talking were concerned. But I want to go back to the origination of the situation that caused the causation of that. And that is the stop sign. And I've got to tell you, when I started out as a deputy sheriff, one of my pet peeves was people running stop signs. And I didn't care if it was, they, you know, they were rolling through it really slowly and just didn't come to a complete stop, but full and complete stops. And I really have to emphasize this. This is a pet peeve of mine. It has been for, for a long time because 10 miles an hour can be a fatality to a child that is walking across the street in that intersection. 
That's one thing. The next thing is intersections are a huge issue for fatalities and very severe injuries when it comes to car accidents, including fatalities when it comes to motorcycle accidents and to include fatalities or major severe um, injuries to police officers that are responding to calls for service that are um, really necessary calls when they, they are trying to uh, get from one place to another at a, in a very short period of time. And so intersections, intersections are are something to be very cognizant of for everybody, pedestrians, motorcyclists, and those that are driving a car. Everybody needs to be alert when they're coming to an intersection because you don't know what is gonna happen. Someone can dart out, someone's failing to yield, someone doesn't see something. So this is an area for concern to everybody and i really just want to make it an absolute point that if if we do nothing else when we are out and about that we take extra caution and i really really have to stress that right now and so i want to move a little bit further now and shift gears a little bit lawrence because you're an inspiration and in everything that you've done from the time um, that you were a child moving through your teenage years to your most recent car accident and next to something that you're currently doing. And that is something that you're working on for veterans and for those who are homeless because you just don't stop. You continue to move forward and persevere and you are taking everything that you're doing and now applying it to people who are in situations that you may have been in at one time or can relate to. I really want to help them. So can we talk about that too? Yes, we can. Uh, the first process of, of that, actually, I'm going, going to the first process before we go into detail. Yes. That. Uh, I'm, I've been sober for 35 years. Oh, my goodness. So uh, that's the other thing connected with the project. It's keeping me sober, keeping okay. me uh at peace okay and as i'm doing it and truly honor of my grandparents my grandfather passed away this last september i'm sorry but, but doing this project is uh it's going to help a million i want to help all the veterans out there i want to help the homeless to feel comfortable to relate to people being able to talk with someone saying i'm not alone someone help me take the first step but they're taking the steps to follow process and they're successful themselves just by taking the one step going to meet someone uh is not every day you could go to a homeless person and shake hands with them give them a meal give them a treat that brings their day yes so many times you're going to be out there they're going to push you away that's true they're going to say who are who are you to help someone like me but one of my most successful stories, his name is Brad. Okay, tell me a little bit about Brad. Brad was a homeless person who I met. Uh, this was just prior to my accident. And he, he had a hard life. 
he, he's been out on the streets for a while and people would walk over him. Uh, but when I met him, I gave him some treats. I saw his artwork that he did on the streets. It would amaze you. This artwork should be in a museum and how well he does. He has uh, taken a very bad situation and turned it into a success story now. With my help, we put him into Section 8 housing. He's able to afford it. He could get into a home. He has his freedom to do his artwork. He could be smiling. And it, it brings uh, a tear to my heart that he was the first piece to the puzzle. Uh -huh. Now my puzzle is advancing to helping other people. He was also a veteran. So uh, my grandparents being part of the World War, World War II era has really changed a lot of things also. This is and really, that's the most important thing. This is really a wonderful thing. And Brad is an example of something that um, is a new avenue that even the Veterans Administration, I think, has been taking a look at and other organizations in finding is very helpful for those with post-traumatic stress disorder, which even other organizations don't want to call it a disorder anymore. But at any rate, art therapy is something that is very helpful. And it's interesting that you share that this is something that Brad is doing and that it has made an impact on you and is making a difference. So you are also walking to make a difference. I'm doing my uh, anywhere from 20 to 30,000 steps a day, doing roughly 15, 17 miles just in my walking, I don't need to take public transportation. My transportation is my feet. Okay, and so, wait, okay. Lawrence, I just have to say time out for one second because the American Heart Association says that we should be walking 10,000, excuse me, 10,000 steps a day. And you're doing t 20 to 30 steps a day. What is that equivalent to you, do you know, per day? That is, uh, you were uh, 10 to 20, 10 to, 20 to 30,000 steps represents, uh, you have uh, one mile equals 2,500 steps. So basically I'm doing a 12, 12 mile walk just with oh. steps. Okay, okay. Wow. So this more or less my steps are representing say a marathon. Okay, this is incredible. So I guess we but just steps, don't equate it, I mean, we just don't equate looking at steps into miles. We think about it in terms of just steps, you know, and so do you keep a pedometer with you? It's all based on my phone. My phone has a heart uh, app on there. Smart. This is really smart. that's the best way to uh, track it. Like so, it tracks my steps. It tracks my, uh, if I do flights of stairs, uh, tracks the entire nine yards. It will track, track my blood pressure if I wanted to. I love it. And are you encouraging others to join your movement in walking and taking those steps to help others? Or what? What would you like to? I've see had to do a baby step. I've had 
doing baby steps is uh, a lot of people are afraid to see uh, the change mm -hmm. because they feel the more steps you're doing, you might be adding more to, uh, prompts to the uh, main problem. But the best way of doing you look at it, look at the homeless, look how many steps they're taking every day. They're not being counted. These people aren't counted. They're people who are left behind. They're people who society has forgotten. With my eyes, with my movement, I'm going to be able to help them keep moving forward. My dominant day that I want to do, there's a 90-day wait for the VA services. Okay. I would love to bring those days down to two and a half hours. If I had that opportunity, I would love to bring all these people off the streets, bring the uh, VA benefits to them straight forward, take away these mom and pop uh, locations where they cash a check, they're lucky if they see $100 of a $1,000 uh, check every month. Uh -huh. These people aren't getting an income that will help, help them survive. So we're lucky in our society that there is Section 8 housing for them. There's different ways to give more money to them, but we need to make certain that they could cash a check and they have that full check available. Yes, I understand what you're saying. So if you could inspire a movement right now, the biggest thing is to help other people connect with homeless people on the street and make them feel valued and to also make it so that they can get into some kind of housing through Section 8 and then also make it so that get their mental health get, get their mental health get their physical health that they really need okay and then also the mental health issue is one of the biggest factors for the homelessness well it is and because, this started as we're saying with the PTSD so many of the veterans they're not getting the medication they need the, all because it, they're homeless they don't have an address if you don't have a concrete address our government policies are taking money away from them. Okay, this is a really good point. And there's two issues to the homelessness because you have a, a section of society that isn't veterans, and then you do have a section of society that is. And so I can see on the two correlations that you're talking about, and having ones be able, I, I can see, I can see both sides of this. And the homelessness issue started back in the seventies when it came to the mental health being released back. It, it goes back to the mental health community. Um, and this is a, it's a long process, which I can't get into really as far as time goes with the show right now. But um, a lot of clients were being, patients were being back into the society and they didn't have anywhere to go and they ended up on the streets. But we are in a situation now where it is out of control. It is very out of control in the Los Angeles, California area. And I know that it is in a lot of other areas, including San Diego County. But, um, and that's just California. I'm not in California, but I do know that it's an issue across the nation. It needs to be addressed. You are doing something about it. And 
I think you've brought up a really good point when it comes to veterans benefits and those not being able to obtain certain benefits because of not having an address and people do need to get help. So I think what you're doing right now is a call to action for all of us to be able to do something. One, reach out to the homeless and let them know that they are valued and make it so that they feel like they can get connected. Two, make sure that they know that the resources are out there and see what we can do to reduce the wait times and get them directions on how they can get certain benefits. And even if it's pamphlets. And three, start walking and get connected with you so that they can know more on what can what we can do what someone who wants to get involved can do to help make a difference and so unfortunately we don't have a lot of time left so what i'd like to do is have you share with our audience how they can get connected with you so that we can really start making a difference in this area and i think I want to. I want. I really want people to make a connection with you, Lawrence. I'd be honored to uh, reach me through Facebook under Lawrence Perlmutter, P E R L M U T T E R, or uh, they could reach uh, out to you, and we can entwine that as well. Perfect. So, all of you who are listening and watching today, I want to. Make sure that two things are really instilled in the show today that we have brought forth. This episode, I want to make sure that you know you can do anything you set your mind to. And Lawrence Perlmutter is an example of exactly that. And he has shown it time and time again. And if you need someone who is a role model, you can look to him. And he's definitely making himself available and you could be his friend, an encouragement to each other. Reach out to him on Facebook. And also a call to action for you to help those out there that are not only veterans, but even those who are homeless. And so I want to thank you for tuning in today and share this message with your friends, your family, your coworkers, those you know, and those you don't. This is Rebecca Sounds Reveille. And again, I encourage you to get this message out there. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to Rebecca Sounds Reveille. Super exciting show for you today because I've got someone who has about 63 or so credits to his name. You probably will know his face and maybe even his voice. For those of you who are listening on audio, I've got to tell you, this is exciting because he is definitely on the move, not only as an actor, but as a producer and a director. And yes, he's even done step work. We're going to talk to him about that as well. He is known for his work um, with American Assassin, Lethal Weapon, Criminal Minds, and he's got something he's working on. Maybe he'll share with us today. But there's lots that we're going to talk to him about, and I think he's got a lot to share, and I really want to hear a little bit about the stunt work, too. Plus, he's done some work on his own. So, without any further ado, welcome Jeff Davis. Welcome to the show. 
Hi there, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. I am delighted to have you because you, okay, with the stunt thing, are on the move. I'm super excited about this. So can we talk about that first? The stunts? Yes. Um, I, I, the stunt work I've done, I did the, just a few things early on in my career years ago. Um, I stunt doubled uh, a guy by the name of in a couple scenes in a movie I did called Rich Man's Wife, where I actually got fight scenes with Holly uh, Berry. And How fun! Also, yeah, she was great. She's amazing. And I also worked uh, on Waterworld with Kevin Costner, and did some stuff. And I did a movie called Day, which was a Bollywood film, which I did all my own stunts. I, I actually had me. Got uh, and and that was uh, a lot of fun. So, is doing stunt work a lot more difficult than just acting? Um, growing up as a, I, was, you know, I was an athletic kid, so I actually I thought about doing stunts early on in my career as as a as a job. Joy, I, I used to box and race cars. I drove motorcycles and snowmobiles, so it would have been a, a, a good transition for me, but I just enjoy acting too much. To hear that. I so love this. I was super excited when I was doing my research on you to find out about your stunt work because that was something that I didn't know. I mean, I've known you to be an actor in so many different, very known well-known films and so this was something that was surprising to me and i didn't know how many other people even knew about that and so this was really something that i wanted to really bring to the forefront because this is amazing and it is something not many people do especially doing their own stunt work so that is really exciting how did you start in hollywood getting into movies and Film. Oh, oh. Well, I uh, not I was a typical guy who grew up uh, and went to theater school and did plays. I um I from a small town in Maine. Uh, you know, leaving and going to Hollywood was never really even a thought. Um, I always thought I might want to try something. And then in my mid twenties, I class and I did a play. And like I said, before that, I was racing cars, and I was working as an electrician, and I was just doing irregular jobs. But uh, I did the play, and uh, a girl that was in my play, a couple years later, I saw her on soap opera, and that was it. I thought, that's what's missing in my life. I mean, not that I had a, nothing was wrong. I had a good life, but something was missing. Uh-huh. L.A., and I'm going to be an actor, and I just dove in head first. This is pretty neat. So now you've been doing all kinds of things. I mean, you've got a lot of credits behind you. And is there any one that stands out that you find you really liked that particular role? Or do you just, you, you just like film, you like movies, doing what you do? I, I, I just, I do. I love the whole process. I love walking onto a soundstage where it's completely uh, make-believe. Um, 
I love going on locations and getting into character. I think one of my favorites early on, I, I did a, a movie called Wind Talkers with Nicolas Cage, uh, John Woo directed. Uh -huh. I played an a, a army tech sergeant and really had a lot of fun. It was, you know, it was one scene, but it was a good scene the Native American. I was there yes. as an instructor, so that was fun. And then more recently, my, my Criminal Minds was really, really uh, something that I felt really, I'm really proud of. I, I was a grieving husband. My wife had been murdered and I had a nice scene there where I'm talking about her life and, and you know, what had happened and how it meant to me. And it was a very emotional scene. I felt like I really uh, hit my, hit my. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes. What's that? I said, as an actor, I want to try everything and anything. So the more different roles I get, the better. But I, those two really stood out. I think that's really neat because being able to convey a certain emotion and really hit home with all of those things in character is so important. And I really believe that in the script and every frame that is delivered, with that is so important because I mean you can have a lot of fluff, but really when you're when you get down to editing and you get to film, every word and every frame means something to the overall production of that film. And so with what you're you were just saying, I think that's so important. And when you know that you've nailed it, I think that that's got to be an absolutely rewarding feeling. Oh, absolutely. The funny thing about that one was, is usually on an audition, you go there and you kind of, you, you leave and you think, ah, oh, you know, that was pretty good. The day I left that, I, when I did that audition, um, I went to a place that I thought about going emotionally, even on the audition. When I, I knew when I left that audition that I was going to play that character. I hadn't even thought about to the extreme that I did. It just came over me. And that's what you dream of actor for it to come out of you like that that was the one time it did why i'm proud of it i mean it, it, and i was able to do it again on that character. I'm, I'm getting chills as you're talking about this because there i can relate in certain situations i know that sometimes we all have to kind of portray things in different ways but really being able to get into that and i Oh, this is just absolutely amazing. Um, have you, can I just ask you, does you have you been there, ever been able to make yourself just cry? Or? Well, I, I did. In that audition, the tears were just rolling. And that's, that's why I said, that's when I really hit my mark. It wasn't, that's the amazing thing. And then again, when I was doing the scene over and over and over again, the sad thing is, is that most of my early, hitting it on every take, every take, every take, and the camera was actually on the main actor, Aisha Tyler, who's the, the star of the show. By the time it turned around on me, it kind of lost a little bit of it. I was kind of burned out, but it still was there, and I crossed. But, but yeah, I mean, I'm not like a lot of tough guys pop. So for to, to play the emotional stuff and to be able to hit it, it meant a lot to me. So, well, I can absolutely understand that. And so, okay, so with all of these 
different roles that you've done and in between them, have you been doing your own writing and working on things to deliver a film yourself? I've got, actually, I, I have been. I've, I've been a couple of years working on a Western, for one, that is a passion project, but that's because of the, the nature of it being a Western, the, the, the horses, the, all the cast, the locations, it's a tough one to raise the finance for, but I do have this work, works that I've been working on. I actually have a book that's based on, uh, we've done one comic book, the second one's about ready to come out. But then in the meanwhile, uh, since that was a bigger budget, I'm working on a horror film that is going to happen. It's going to happen soon. I absolutely love this. And so I want to go, okay, go to the comic section on this real quick because okay. your comic book has done very well with Comic Con in San Diego. No. I, okay. I haven't been to Comic Con. No, I haven't been to Comic Con. I wish I had. I, I, I thought you had. No, I thought I you had, or that it had gone to. Wasn't it Nerd? No, I've had some. Uh, no, mostly with the comic book. I haven't released it yet to a publisher. I've taken. Oh. I did do a a toy con in Ohio, and uh, it was real popular there. I sold a lot of copies, but it hasn't been released yet. Okay, so maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Okay. That's probably it. Yeah. I I okay. Good following, good following in there, and it, which is actually what led to my horror movie. I met some people there that want to uh, produce my horror movie. So Ohio was really good. To okay, that must that must be what I'm thinking of because I knew that you had done some things with within the fantasy type of realm, and that it had been. Oh, you know what you, you might be thinking of. I was on a show called Common Rider Dragon Knight. We did do uh, we didn't do Comic Con. I didn't. They did Comic Con. I did. I did a Power Morphicon. Pasadena. Okay, maybe that maybe that is what I'm thinking of because, I mean, this was this is something that I that surprised me also, and I said I didn't know that. I had no idea that yeah. that that was yes, and so this is really neat then. Yeah, I was the dad on that show for did a, a season of, of a show called *Common Rider Dragon White Knight*, and I was the dad of the lead character. So that was a fun. Thing to do. That was that was about eight or ten years now. Well, so you have a lot of creativity within you, and doing some of these roles just absolutely brings these things out. And sometimes all it takes is one one little thing, and it just opens the floodgates of our mind and you are just unleashing so many things and you're making so many things happen. And so we've talked about doing stunt work and your role as an actor, but how about being a producer and a director? How is that different in comparison to the other two? Um, the producing part of it is fun because you're, I'm, I'm learning all aspects of putting projects together putting a presentation package, uh, trying to put together a, a sizzle reel, um, calling and talking to managers and other you know, if I can get that. So it's, it's, it's a learning experience. Um, hopefully I'm, I'm learning as I go and that's why I've always done anything. I mean, I, I, at acting, I learned on the, on the fly. Um, 
hopefully I'm learning as a producer, but my first one is coming together. It's going to direct one. I haven't done that. That's scary. I'm going to hire a really good director of photography, a DP cameraman that knows the technical side more than I do. So I can concentrate on getting performances out of this is really exciting. I mean, all of the things that you have going on. And meanwhile, while you're venturing into that, you do have some things in pre and post production, don't you? Yeah, I do. Um, I didn't. I, this, there's a couple of shows that I've done that haven't come out yet. One called This Close, which is on Sundance Channel. I think that's going to be airing in, I believe it airs in September, the new season. And I play a doctor on there, uh, Dr. LeBron. I did go to a new series for Netflix called Ratchet, and it's a story of Nurse Ratchet, that takes place in the 40s. Um, I play a police captain in the 40s. Then I did a Western where I play a preacher, a uh, uh, preacher with a gun. Uh, hopefully, going to festivals in the fall if all goes well. And then just finished the an action film, a bike action film, where I play a dad who out to get her. That one, like the Christmas graphics, that probably won't be probably festivals in the in the early next year. Well, this this is really neat, and I know oftentimes that that going to the festivals is just. Um, sort of nail biting because you're really wanting those films to get picked up or at least be seen so that you can garner a lead role in some other things but you you're just on the move I mean, you are making things happen and you it seems from what i'm seeing you are just really busy with work and this is something that actors in the industry want and they are I mean, you're just thriving, and I'm really excited about that. Um, I'm really excited about that. How does your family feel about that? I mean, are they just kind of like, where are you at all the time? Or are they just like, I'm really glad you're getting a whole lot of work? Well, it's been 20-plus years making. Um, you know, I got married since I came out here and had two sons, and they're both in college. One just graduated, the other one's in college. So they've been watching it slowly grow. Uh -huh. um, in the last five years, it seems to be blossoming, and they're very supportive. My wife is loving it. Um, you know, because they know that that's what I gave up. And with the exception of the family, you know, it's become it, it is my life, and I I I, I just like I said, woke up one day and said that's what I'm going to do, and I there was no there was no way if how it was just going to make it happen. And, it's finally starting to, you know, I mean, after all these years of a little bit here, a little bit there, this is the busiest year I've had, and five years have been the busiest of like 25 in the business, so it's been. I'm really glad that you have brought this to the surface because the mission of my being here is helping others and letting them know that they can do anything that they want to do. And something that you just said is, very apropos because you said you are going to do, I mean, when you put your mind to it, you're going to do it. And that's what you did. And you have the support from your family and you continued to pursue your dream and you just put the hard work into it. 
and it continued to grow and now it's blossoming. And the thing with that is we really have to remember that we're not only planting seeds constantly, um, but we have to keep watering the seeds for something to grow. And we can't expect that what we do is going to happen instantaneously. And though we live in this world where everything seems to be so instantaneous from instant coffee to ATMs to everything else that we do from social media to everything, Instagram, right? Uh, everything seems so instant. But really the true rewards that happen come through support and they come through really a lot of hard work and continuing to persevere through situations that we don't feel like really pursuing sometimes, but we continue to do so even through that. And you are really proving that that is something that is achievable in the long run is your dream. And so I really wanted to point that out because you are making it happen. You are on the move. And I want to really just thank you so much for being here and sharing all of these things. And I want the audience to be able to connect with you and watch what you're doing. You're an inspiration. And the work that you do is so, I mean, people are drawn to you when they see you and they can get into what you're doing because you get into what you're doing and they can connect with that. And I want them to continue to connect with the work that you're doing because it's just, I love it. And when, I mean, when we start following you through the years, it's like you're part of us. So we're part of you. We're part of the family. Um, so if you could share some of the ways that our audience members can connect with you, I think this would be a really good thing. Absolutely. Um, and I, I, I try to interact as much as I can with everybody who actually follows me. Uh, I'm not one that just posts something gets about it. So uh, Instagram and Twitter, it's at JF David Actor. Uh, on Facebook, JF David. Um, I also have a, a website. Uh, actually, you can find my comic book there. Um, and that's jfdavidactor.com. So I've kind of branded myself in the last year or so. I put everything on the JF David Actor, uh, which makes it a little bit easier to find me. And like I said, I, I answer questions. I love, you know, I, I support. Uh, we need it. We absolutely do. And when you're moving, you definitely want that support. So I encourage everybody that is listening and everybody that is watching. Get on social media and share this with your friends, your family, your coworkers, people you know, people you don't know. We want to continue to support Jeff and everything that he's doing because he's just, he can really rock these things and what an array of things that he's doing from comic books to what's coming with horror, as well as some very top the top films that we see not only on regular cable and satellite, but on those that are coming to some other channels. So let me throw the names, names of any of them out there. Um, the films I just finished, uh, uh, one was called Showdown on the Brazos. That's the Western. Look forward to the outrage is the action film. And my horror film is called The Demons Within. 
So be prepared. It's that's that's really good. Um, what about proximity? Pro the the movie? Yes. I, that one, I you know what I I have that's been a while in the makings. I'm not sure where that's at right now. But it's a okay. nice, it's a fun high five movie. I actually opened the movie. I'm in the in the beginning of it. It's a big moment. That's mm -hmm. one, I don't know when it's coming, but um, it, it's in the works. A lot of special effects and CGI, so they're working on it. This is really good. So I mean, like I said, I mean, we really want to stay on top of what you're doing because there's a lot. You, you're really able to portray a wide range of characters. You've got a lot going. This is really good. I think not only with what's going on in the fantasy and horror uh, arena right now, you couldn't pick a better time to really deliver these things that you're doing. So we want to watch for that. And I think not only should our viewers and our listeners hit your website and follow you on Instagram, because this is, this is the upcoming uh, thing. If you're not following people, actors, actresses, and anybody else on, on any social media, uh, you should be following them on Instagram. This is becoming bigger than any other social media out there. So if you're not on it, you need to start looking there. Uh, also go to Jeff's website and also you can follow things on IMDB. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things going on there and you can click on a lot of information there. Also, you can get information from checking out the Rebecca Sounds Revelry show because we stay on top of a lot of things and you can find things at celebra.ba media as well. So I am really excited to share all of those things, Jeff. I want to thank you so much for being with us today. And I hope that you will come back with us and tell us a little bit more when your comic book is released, when the second one also comes out and even more. Absolutely. And again, I want to thank all of you for tuning in. Please again, share this with your friends, family, coworkers, everybody on social media, whether you know them or not, get this information out there and spread the word because we definitely want to support Jeff and what he's doing. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you. Thank you.